This episode is brought to you by Bumper.com. Buying a car doesn't have to be so intimidating. Bumper.com is here for you, the buyers. With just a few clicks, it can help give you a comprehensive vehicle report that highlights any red flags. So wherever you're buying a car from, whether it's a dealership or a used marketplace, you can go in knowing Bumper.com has your back. Make your car buying experience smoother and smarter. Check out Bumper.com slash podcast. Up until a week ago, I was living with my childhood friend Michelle in a flat in London. We've known each other since the age of 10, and I've seen her struggle with her relationship with food during her teens. I really admire her for being able to fully recover, and today she shares her thoughts on intuitive eating, changing habits, and how to cope with anxiety. Even though she lives within walking distance from me, we couldn't meet in person due to the current lockdown. However, in this day and age, there's lots of possibilities to stay connected online. We give you all our tips and advice on how to cope with your worry caused by isolation, especially in terms of body image. My name is Fanny Beckman, and this is Women of My Generation. Michelle, it feels a bit weird like not sitting next to you because we obviously lived together for two months. We actually shared bed. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we're basically lovers. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I've now, ruined it already. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't apologize. Obviously, things have changed, and we are recording this the day after the Prime Minister said that we're practically having a lockdown here in London. Yeah. And it is a weird time, isn't it? It is weird indeed. Like, so far, it's been kind of a fun game that we're playing. Like, oh, mummy told me to be inside. Haha, it's so funny. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but now it's actually real, guys. It's real. Help. Yeah, I know. And the thing is that we don't really know what's happening in, like, a week's time or for how long this is going on for. So yeah. I think everyone's a bit, like, nervous. But also, it's kind of nice to see that it builds communities at the moment as well. Lots of things happens online, like with exercise and all that. Yeah, no, it, I think people have really been sort of coming together, actually. And I always feel closer to my flatmates. And, and I called my friend. for the f- I never call people. I hate calling people. But I've been calling. I even called my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the same, actually. Like, And also, like, on Instagram, messaging, like, old schoolmates uh, in Sweden that I haven't spoken to in, like, 10 years. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. It's weird, but it is really lovely, actually. Yeah. Um. And I think we're going to talk a bit more about the current situation at the end of this podcast episode, but I want to talk to you um, about your relationship to your body, obviously, because that's what I do in women of my generation. But also, I think you've had a really interesting journey. 
Because um, many people claim that it's not possible to fully recover from an eating disorder without getting professional help. But you seem to prove them wrong. Because you suffered from disordered eating from a very early age. And you've said that it took you about seven years to get back to to unhealthy relationship with food and to a healthy mindset. And you've also struggled with binge eating, which is very common during a recovering process of anorexia, or which is basically because you have just restricted from certain types of food for so long, and now you have all this food that you kind of allow you to eat and you just do, overdo it a bit, if you know what I mean. And I just wanted to ask you about these couple of years like could you just share how it was how old were you how did it all start and that kind of stuff yeah I I don't know really where to start I was sort of trying to think about this as I was going on a walk earlier today sort of how do I succinctly describe this but um mm. I think I suppose I started the I started be like building an awareness sort of of my body kind of as a thing you know I think you, you don't have that really when you're very little but I think I started sort of you know having an awareness of that probably already in fifth grade is sort of sort of creeping in I think so I was probably 10 mm. 10 11 I think at that time uh yeah. but sort of um well, without much success in terms of dieting. But I think really I was an early bloomer. I was always the tallest girl, you know, when I was like really little. And I think I probably hit puberty sort of really early, uh, combining that with a humongous appetite. And like until then, I, I always had a huge appetite, but I was always quite a sort of athletic kid. And I was always quite... Um, yeah, like not not I wouldn't want to call it skinny, but like uh, wiry almost, like really strong athletic uh, as a child. I, I was always and mm. I was eating lots because I was working out loads. I was doing all these sports. I was doing swimming and figure skating, and then I did sailing and horseback riding, and we did like ballet and other sort of off ice workouts for figure skating. Um, so there were times when I was you know training fifteen hours a week, sort of outside school and stuff. Um, mm. So I think, yeah, so, you know, I never sort of, you know, gained any weight. I had like zero fat. And then I think I just hit puberty and I s cut down on working out because I was starting to sort of uh, stop figure skating as much because I realized I wasn't going to win the Olympics. So why do it at all? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I just started, you know, gaining weight as women do when they hit puberty. And I think looking back on it, that's probably, you know, I wish I had, now we're looking back at it, it feels very obvious, but at the time I sort of didn't really know what was going on and I feel like it wasn't maybe properly explained to me. I was, I think, one of mm. the first ones in our class who developed breasts and that sort of stuff. So I think it was just quite early on with that sort of stuff. Whereas the other girls in our class would stay quite skinny, you know. Um, and uh, sort of, and all the girls in figure skating sort of, you know, class also stayed very skinny. Whereas I wasn't skinny. I had like one gram of fat on me, you know, which felt like the end of the world. That Like, it was just weird. It was new. It wasn't like that. Yeah. And... Uh, because I like eating so much, I kept on eating as much as I did when I was working out loads. So obviously I did gain a bit of weight and that first led to my first sort of body, like like self-consciousness sort of issues. Um, and Do you think it would have helped if you had like more, I don't know if 
sex education in a way, but more focus on, like, hitting puberty. Do you think that would have helped you? Yeah, maybe. Like, just sort of reassuring that it's okay if your body changes. Your body will change and get ready for it. I think maybe because I was so early. I can't remember when exactly we had this talk in school. I know we had really Mm -hmm. good education about this sort of stuff in Sweden, but I'm not sure if I was maybe a bit earlier than that, potentially. Well, I feel like I just... But you also just don't have that sort of overarching awareness of things in life in general when you're 10 so I feel like you're just maybe not capable of understanding things on that sort of level maybe you're so in your own little world when you're that small so um but yeah so that basically led me I remember sort of uh I sort of measured time by like when this happened I started dieting quite intensively um when I was 12 in sixth grade And uh, at first it was sort of, you know, it was sort of, it wasn't meant to be sort of like a diet diet, but like it was encouraged by my parents to eat a bit healthier, maybe sort of control my enormous appetite a little bit since, you know, they noticed that I gained weight. You know, I had, just sort of side note, I have no sort of uh, grudges against them or anything. They did everything out of care and I completely understand why they acted they did with the knowledge they had at the time. Um... Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but I suppose it was sort of a, a bit of a role of my parents in this as well because they noticed my body changing and sort of freaked out a bit, maybe I guess. Um, and they just wanted the best for me, so they sort of supported me, tried to be supportive of me, like eating or healthy. Um, mm. But that, and then, yeah. But that kind of led you to something else. Yeah, exactly. Uh, later on. Yeah, so it, eventually it started like. I'd lose a bit of weight, but not sort of very fast. It was like, you know, I'm a very impatient person. And then I discovered calorie counting. And boom, guys, like, that's how I got, like, I yeah, I mean, I call it, I had anorexia. I never got an official diagnosis. But let's say for at least a period of, I would say, six months, I was eating probably around sub-1,000 calories a day, maybe 800, sometimes, sometimes even less. Um, mm. And... Uh, But that's the thing, like, loads of people say, like, oh, I was never diagnosed or I wasn't really ill. But then again, you never actually went to seek help and you you don't know what they would have said, what a doctor would have said to you either. Yeah, true. And I think my my mum did intervene when it was, when she noticed that I wasn't regaining weight, you know, like a bit further down the line. uh, I was, I went from, I remember very distinctly this in numbers, I was around 52 kilos uh, when I was big I think I wasn't big let's be honest I wasn't big but I was I looked awkward as a you know 12 year old bloody does we all look fucking awkward sorry for my French but we look so awkward at that age and I think I was just conscious because of that but like I was so used to having this like five-year-old's like athletic body and then suddenly I looked like a sort of misshapen something so I was just self-conscious mm. because of that if I'd known that I was gonna be okay in a few years time I didn't have to go through this whole dieting thing <laughs> uh, yeah ex- exactly like we don't really know what's going on with our bodies and I think that's a, such a like good point that you made like with puberty that's when a lot of people go into like the, the vicious circles of eating disorders really um, and again we compare ourselves to each other more than like looking up what other women who are older might look like and and talk about it I feel like in those kind of years it's very important to to be popular and 
you know, you think a lot about what other people think of you, so you might not express your fears or say out loud that you, oh, what's going on with my body? It's not really something that you talk with your friends about that age either. Oh, no, oh, my God, I remember, like, friends were so cruel at that time. Like, we were all... I feel like, I mean, maybe it was heightened by my sort of insecurities, but I feel like everyone was focusing on, like, how people looked. But, yeah, I remember, mm. so I dropped... What happened was I, I went from, like, 52 kilos... Um, you know, I'm, I'm five foot two, 160 centimeters tall. Like I'm still had that height. I stopped growing since basically. <laughs> but, uh, so, so I went from 52 kilos down to like 36 at my lowest. Oh no. Yeah. But that's when like, I, when I hit like 40, my parents were like, this is enough. Like, you know, stop doing this. <laughs> um, mm. I've been telling you, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll just sort of, I need to readjust into my new body and my new life and I don't want to regain everything. But I just kept losing weight. I just kept losing weight and I kept hiding it from them. And then one day I remember very distinctly, mum put me on a scale, uh, on the scales and um, and it showed, you know, I had a towel on, so it was 37. Oh my God. <laughs> and uh, mm. and uh, she was like, right, you are eating because you become so good at hiding uh you know that you're pretending you've eaten or making it look like you've eaten and measuring everything and eating very slowly and da 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 there's so many little tricks and things uh, you you manage to come up with when you're in that sort of state and yeah but uh, since then like that's where I feel like that was because it like I had like intervention so quickly and sort of went with it because I felt like yeah this, this is probably right and I didn't have I mean yes and no I had a hard time like I didn't resist her helping me and like making me eat because uh, uh, mm. but I do like for the next sort of at least four years after that I I regained weight and I was always trying to lose it in a very short amount of time without any success uh, because it's bloody hard like and our bodies don't want to do it so I kept sort of yo-yoing back and forth and I, I found a notebook the other day like with my sort of plan, I wrote, wrote a little, little spreadsheet in my notebook of like each week I should lose like one kilo, and then <laughs> like by so by this date I will have lost ten kilo and I'll be all happy again. Like <laughs> it's yeah, it yeah, it's that's so. <laughs> don't take this take this wrong, but that's so you very organized and <laughs> yeah. you know perfectionist to to the yeah to the bones really, and I I know. Um, a few episodes ago when I talked to Sarah from The Beautiful Project, she also said this, like she was also a perfectionist and um, very good at hiding her anorexia and so good in school. It's the same kind of story with you. Like you, you were always so, so good in school and you were, you know, all this activities outside of school and then you had this to keep track on as well. I don't know how you did it. Then we needed to be fair. I feel like I used up all my self-discipline as a child and then it just ended. And, and yeah. <laughs> like, that's where things started going downhill for me, sort of, when I started, like... No, started that's uphill, Michelle. <laughs> um, you managed to recover and that's the main thing. Yeah, true. Now I was speaking um, more about school, but, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, so I think, yeah, so all my sort of teenage years, I would say up until... Um, when I did the IB, the International Baccalaureate in Sweden, um, I think I found a bit more of my crowd there. So I think that helped me a bit, having a bit more of a social belonging. Um, mm. And uh, I don't know, like, it just, like... 
I kept gaining weight. So like, okay, to sort of keep telling my story in numbers, <laughs> I went from 36 to 73 uh, in, a, in a few years. Well, it was every, yeah, maybe four years time, but like I literally doubled in weight. And uh, yeah, I, it was a lot of binge eating. But I mean, four years is still quite a long time. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was less, but I, I remember hitting 73 when I was in the IB. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I remember still, to be fair, like trying to sort of starve myself with a few things here and there, like trying to lose weight when I was in the IB. But I, I, I remember, I can't remember also why, what triggered it, but over time, I remember towards finishing the IB, I, I relaxed. Uh, about it, I I think a little bit, um, and I sort of started becoming a bit more comfortable uh, with my body as it was. Um, mm. So yeah, but that, that was like now we're talking. I was um, eighteen, nineteen at that time when I sort of started to chill out a bit more. But like during that time, especially sort of towards my older teenage years, I struggled a lot with binge eating. I um, I was like sneaking food out from the kitchen and eating in my room. If I was home alone, I would eat a whole like cake in one sitting, uh, no problem. Like I would eat tons and tons of food. Um, so yeah, no wonder I so gained weight, but it was very sort of, I think, stress and anxiety induced. Um, I still have like minor episodes of that, but it's sort of on a very human normal level. I think now it's nothing sort of that concerns me, but yeah. Uh, so that that obviously led to a big. But do you gain. think like uh, bin your binge eating had anything to do with your previous anorexia? Yeah, to some degree, yes. Uh, in some degree, it's just like a physical response. Uh, you're like you just want to eat, eat, eat because you've been not eating for so long, especially when you have such a huge appetite as I do, and you just love yeah, food. Like, and it's such a big part of my life. It's it's yeah. So part of it is that your body just wants to like, oh my god, and also I think. I mean, sort of don't know how, but I think your metabolism probably doesn't work very well either afterwards. Like, it just want your body, like, even if I ate normally, I'd probably gain lots of weight, I reckon, because just because your body is just like, like, we need to keep this on ourselves until, unless we're going to starve again, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I, I do think definitely, it was definitely sort of triggered. I remember quite soon after I, like, mum forced me to start eating again, I, I did... Um, um, I started sort of binging quite soon after that. So I think it was partially that. Um, so I gained weight quite quickly uh, coming out of it. Um, but then I think it turned into its own sort of... It was an escapism. It was more sort of an escapism issue. And I think now that was like... Then I think it would be maybe that escapism sort of was replaced not instead of binge eating I started binge watching stuff so I think maybe I sort of replaced one binge with a different binge but (laughs) that sort of behavior (laughs) is still there I suppose I'm quite sort of indulgent person Mm. but then you also mentioned to me before like when you moved to London that's when like the biggest change happened for you in terms of your relationship to your body yeah, I think that's when sort of my habits actually change. So I think I started relaxing my attitude towards my own body and I stopped caring about losing the weight so much. I sort of accepted mm-hmm. that this is who I am. Um, it's just weird talking. And that's what's when you're 19? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I graduated from IB, I was 19. Uh, and then I moved to uni later that that year, like in September, um, to to London, I moved, and 
Yes, I think, like, my, my attitude to my body started already changing, sort of 18, 19, I think, slowly. Uh, but I still had those habits of, like, coming home, binge eating, and, and like, being stuck in, like, we always at a certain time, so at home it's always quite rigid. Uh, like, if you think I'm perfectionist, you should have seen my mum. <laughs> like, <laughs> my God, like, it was a quite of a strict schedule at home sometimes when it came to eating. Like, we have to eat meals together, which is obviously nice, but sometimes it's just like, I'm hungry now, I don't want to eat dinner later. But, like, if I would, like, binge eat in secret, I still have to eat dinner with the family afterwards, even though I was completely full, so I had to sort of... <laughs> So those sort of habits, like being a family, like with little flexibility around my eating, it was hard for me to sort of eat intuitively. But when I moved to London, I was completely free. And of course, the first thing I did was ate a jar of Nutella in my, you know, in my dorm room. But (laughs) but then I realized quite quickly that you don't feel very good when you do that. And even if it's tasty, it's just not a way to live. So, but yeah, just that big see, like, change of scenery for me moving to a new city like has so many new impressions and just bigger things to think about starting university and reading Karl Marx uh, you know like (laughs) gosh like I I didn't really like also we had meals provided for us in first year in, in the hall so yeah I don't know I think it's just that change of environment let me do my thing I was completely free to do what I wanted to do more or less Mm -hmm. like and also I had to buy the food myself if I wanted to eat it and I think that maybe like stops you as well from binge eating completely um yeah Yeah. and I just I just dropped I just don't didn't think about it uh I remember because when I was like a younger teenager like 14 15 like there was there wasn't a day when I didn't think about how I looked. Like I need to lose weight. I need to lose weight. That was like a daily thought. But then it just stopped stopped being a daily thought, and then completely dropped that in London as well. And it just wasn't a thing. And then I just like a year later, suddenly, um, like a year into uni in London, I I I naturally just dropped down without even thinking about food. I'm not not starving myself. Nothing. I dropped back down to sort of around. I don't know, somewhere between 60 and 65. And I've been sitting there for the past um, four years, like sort of fluctuating naturally and just my body doing its own thing. And I think this is just the way yeah. I'm meant to look. And I've sort of found my medium where I eat as I want to do. And sometimes I'm a bit leaner, sometimes I'm a bit softer. And that's completely fine. Um, yeah, I think that's the main thing. Like, I don't think we have to talk about numbers and kilos. That's that doesn't matter at all. It's just about like finding what's right for your body and the body type that you um, should be and like when you have a healthy relationship to food for sure. Um, but also you mentioned quite recently that you read an article um, about exactly this, about like changing habits and that um, that's when a time when you can kind of develop uh, new things easier or I mean... You tell me, you read the article. Yeah, so it was actually on the Yoga Girl podcast, I think, one of her recent episodes about sort of changing habits and setting the tone for the new year or something like that. Um, And she had a guest on who's written a book about this. And and apparently there was a study done on smokers and people mostly dropped smoking if they also had a big sort of big life change happening at the same time as they tried to stop smoking. Um, 
and, and it was easy to make that big habitual change if you had a big life change around the same time. So I think for me, I mean, that just resonated with me a lot, you know. Uh, I know it's just anecdotal evidence, but I, I do feel for me that moving to London, completely changing, you know, not having any restrictions put on me by my family, being completely free, being in a new city, lots of new impressions, just took my mind off it and I could build a new life for myself and new habits for myself. Uh, just as my body needed it, um, and sort of no, yeah, yeah, no one telling me what to eat, not to eat. You know, it was very freeing. Um, yeah, it must have been such a relief. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> like, it just feels weird talking about that time because I just feel so disassociated from it now. Like, I, like you know, I, I, yeah, I'm sorry, I was talking a lot about numbers and kilos before, but that that's past me. I, I haven't weighed myself in five years. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just to reach just... listeners, like, throw out that scale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. well, like, I, I second that. Yeah, it, this is just me, like, I guess it just helps me. That's how I track time, basically, <laughs> at, the, at the time, you know. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> it's just I can't tell the story without mentioning that because I just think it summarizes sort of what was going on with my body um, and how obsessed I was with them. But my gosh, it's the stupidest things that exist. Like, I can't... Like, weighing yourself every day is literally the stupidest thing you could do. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> because you were like, you're... I don't know, you just haven't pooped or something, or you retain some water. Like, it's bullshit. It's not going to measure any how, how you look, how you feel, uh, you know, how you're doing, how your mental health is doing, nothing like that. So, yeah. yeah. That's so true. I'm glad we, we said that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's um, and... You've mentioned intuitive eating quite a few times already, and I want to talk more about this, um, which is like you fully listen to what your body needs and wants uh, in the moment. And as I said earlier, we used to live together, like really recently up until like a week ago. And I've seen that you are very good at intuitive eating um, because you know when your body needs protein or vegetables or if you're craving cake, you have some cake or bake some cake because you're obviously an incredible baker. And This episode is brought to you by Bumper.com. Buying a car doesn't have to be so intimidating. Bumper.com is here for you, the buyers. With just a few clicks, it can help give you a comprehensive vehicle report that highlights any red flags. So wherever you're buying a car from, whether it's a dealership or a used marketplace, you can go in knowing Bumper.com has your back. Make your car buying experience smoother and smarter. Check out Bumper.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On a broader scale, you are very self-aware in terms of your mental health like for example if you feel down you know immediately it's because you haven't slept well or you haven't moved your body as you usually do is this something you've had to consciously consciously learn or does it come naturally to you um yeah I would say it's been a long 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 process for me to learn and I still it's a working process to sort of pick up on my own 
my body signals and know what, what I need. I think a year of therapy helped quite a lot as well to just sort of separate myself from like my anxiety, for example. I struggle with a lot of anxiety and that's sort of more on my mind now than eating issues or anything like that. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, but with intuitive eating, yeah, I think that's something, I think especially being removed from family and just living on your own as a student, a lot of, I mean, for a lot of people, they struggle with food and stuff when they, uh, you know, come to uni first and first year freshest week and they eat very unhealthily and stuff. But for me, it was actually like an opportunity to just do what I wanted to do. And at first it was very unhealthy. And then I, I just naturally felt like I actually enjoy healthy food. Um, yeah, and I, I think I've become better and better at just listening what I want. I just don't think about it. like thing is, I'm just right now. I just have. I'm so grateful I've been able to develop a just completely neutral stance, or in a sense, to food apart from like. I mean, obviously, I love it, but in the sense that I don't. If I, I just eat something, if I'm hungry, I just eat. I don't overthink yeah. it. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it does seem like it comes very naturally to you at the moment, even though you might have or you have been through all this in the past, but it's led to you having a, almost like a better relationship to food than most people do who hasn't been through what you have. Yeah, I have. I just don't label it at all. Um, I mean, I do in a sense that I, I see food now more as, you know, obviously, apart from just like the kind of culinary enjoyment and I love cooking and I love cooking as an art form and that sort of stuff. But apart from that, I just see you know it's fuel for your body and your mind and because I still very much love sports and stuff and I, I try to work out and I mean it comes and goes in phases but uh but you know obviously I want to uh, be able to move my body and have energy for moving that but also not feel sluggish from eating too much junk food or whatever so um but also like mental health I do notice I do feel worse you know if I eat uh, very crappily. If I don't eat enough, I feel awful. Mm. I get so cranky. <laughs> I I think well, both <laughs> of us probably suffer a, a good case of hangry. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something we both realise. <laughs> like we're both pretty intense on that one. So yeah, like eating yeah. is important. <laughs> um. It is. <laughs> no, I love that we have that relationship that we can see in each other when we need food. It's like. Michelle, yeah. you need to eat now. And you said the same to me. It's like, honey, you're a bit grumpy. Eat. Like, yeah, because yeah, I feel like, you know, I feel like with, if you're grumpy or down or sad or tired or anxious, first try eating, sleeping, moving your body, having a nice shower, washing your hair. And if you do all of that and you still feel bad, go to therapy. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But like, so just like if you just need to meet your basic physiological needs and you take care of your body in a loving way. And that's the thing. I think that's my main motto is I eat well because I love my body. I work out because I love my body. Like, it's not I do it out of love for myself. It's not a punishment. I love eating mm. healthy because I like how it tastes. Luckily, I'm not like I'm not picky. I'm very grateful that I don't have like issues with not liking anything. I eat everything. So, and I really enjoy my greens and my salads and and that sort of stuff. I know a lot of people struggle with that because they just don't simply enjoy eating it, but I love it. Uh, and I love playing around with making food tasty and look nice and that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, but I, I just do it because I really, I really love my body and I want to 
take care of it the best way I can. But I never go work out to, yeah, to punish myself. And also, like, another point I want to make is I, I, I think I just, you know, I'm also very grateful that I can move my body. Uh, I've had mm. some injuries in the past year um, from, like, overuse and stuff. And, and that's just made me acutely aware that, it is we should not be taking for granted that we have a body that's able to do what we want to do and and also like now being stuck in quarantine like now suddenly everyone is running because it's the only time to get out of the house you know so we- I know it's so funny like <laughs> I watched from my balcony I just saw shit loads of people running I was like what <laughs> Yeah, because like like, like, now that freedom is taking it away from us, as soon as it's taken away from you, either by quarantine or injury or any other sort of situation, like it's, then we realise like it's a gift to have a body that can run and not hurt. And, and I get so, I cry when my knee hurts because it makes me so sad. Like I'm young and healthy and I can't bloody cycle, you know, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, I've got yeah. issues with my knee and... And, and, and I've spent a lot of money on physiotherapy and, and that's just, make, you know, your body's there to move and, and enable you to do wonderful and fun things. And, um, yeah, uh, if I, yeah, so that's just, uh, we should be grateful for our bodies and not punish them. And, and that's why, you know, I work out to, to prevent injury very much and prevent injury and feel good mentally. Like, that's my two main reasons for working out. Um, mm. so. Yeah, it's, I think it's really true. Like, we take so much for granted, and especially in this time and age we are at the moment, or in this situation, um, where we kind of realised how much we took for granted previously. And now, when we go to the supermarket, it's really empty because of the coronavirus, or yeah. we can't go out as much as we want, we can't see each other. Yeah. Literally, I, cu- I couldn't come to yours tonight because. Oh, I'm not allowed to. The police could find me if I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's scary. So it's yeah, it's definitely it's one of those moments when you realise that shit. You should actually um, take a step back sometimes and just appreciate what you have. Yeah. Um, but also in this podcast, I've talked previously um, to other guests about like the correlation between disordered eating and mental health issues. Mm. And again, there's so much stress and anxiety at the moment and people could potentially develop eating disorders. If you feel like other things in life, um, you can't really grasp anything, then that's when you turn inwards and start to develop um, like different issues um, or self-harm in any way. And I therefore, you know, I want to talk a bit more what we can do to cope with the current situation at the best so you talked about you know the importance of getting up and taking a shower at a certain time um and what else do you do um yeah that is a good point like i i really hope people don't develop eating disorders over this because uh, that would be such a shame. Uh, I mean, in general, it's yeah, always sure. a shame. But, like, like, I think, I don't know, I well, I've taken control over my life by cleaning. So I'm cleaning a lot. <laughs> I feel like that's... Yeah. If you want to take control over something, just clean your flat. You'll feel better yeah. and you'll do something <laughs> useful and you're not going to hurt your body. So, I don't know. <laughs> but I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's really important to find those kind of things because I've already had, like, messages on Instagram saying... I'd, like people don't know how they are going to cope with it because 
It's one thing like handling with the stress, but also going to the supermarket and realise that you can't buy whatever you want uh, or people who have certain diets or, you know, even like being vegan must be quite difficult at the moment because you can't find um, the right nutrition potentially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a triggering time. So finding that stuff. So you... You clean and you bake. I've seen on your Instagram, you're quite active there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, my screen time has gone up this week, for sure. <laughs> um, so that's maybe something that's not very good, uh, that I should not be doing so much. I, I, I spend too much scrolling, that's for sure. But I think coming back to the food and the fact that we don't have all the food that we want at any time, 24-7, uh, as is very sort of common in London, you can get hold of anything at any time, which is great, but it's a huge privilege to have that. And I think everyone's realizing now that food doesn't actually just magically appear on the shelves. It's actually a real thing that, you know, cannot exist if you, you know, it's, you know, runs out. And I think it's a good wake up call for like people of this generation, because for my parents, it's not an issue. They, I mean, okay, so backstory, my parents grew up in communist Poland. This was their life for all the upbringing basically they had to queue for five hours every day to get a piece of bread or whatever like this was just what they grew up with mm. so their stories have sort of like I think kept me a little bit grounded but still not the same thing until it happens to you yourself and uh, I think that just shows us like food is there food is for sustenance and I think we should be grateful that we have food and yeah I feel like it's yeah. yeah, it can definitely go the other way around as well. It could be something positive yeah. when you, like you said, realise that it is fuel as well and exactly. uh, you just have to eat what's out there because yeah, you, you have can't to... be picky at this time. Unfortunately, like I, I, I have so many ideas and things I want to bake, but I've had to put a hold on that because there's just not enough eggs for me to bake everything, for example. It's not enough flour or whatever. Like, And and that also makes me realise all the things. Yeah, that's also a privilege for me, you know, to, to, to be able to do that. I have been taking that for granted. And I think for me, if anything, that reaffirms that, like... Yeah, no, eating disorders are kind of a little bit maybe, you know, without sort of downplaying or anything, but it's a little bit a sign maybe of our times and the fact that we do have so much of everything that, you know, we're so privileged that we, and not privileged, but like we can control our food, you know, if we want to. Like, I don't think eating disorders mm. were probably not a huge thing when people are in starvation, like because there's no food. You know what I mean? No, exactly. Like it, it's, I mean, it's a, maybe it's a slightly controversial thing to say, but it's, I, I think it's just maybe a reminder for everyone, like food is there to eat and to keep you alive and you should honour it and cherish it. And, and yeah, I really, really hope people, you know, you know, stay grounded and, and try to channel their anxieties in, in other ways. Uh, but of course I understand it can be hard, you know, it, it can be hard in these mm. times and um, it can be hard to control as well. Um yeah. But, yeah, but as we kind of mentioned a bit at the beginning of this podcast, we've seen also like different communities popping up online and uh, even like on Instagram, people are actually talking about their anxiety, which is actually a great sign because mm -hmm. that means that they have a different channel for... Uh, expressing their worry and not turning it inwards which is great yeah I think me myself also becoming aware that anxiety is a thing has also helped me 
like uh, like self-diagnosed almost like I know what it feels like when a panic attack is coming and I'm no longer scared if I'm getting a panic attack because I know exactly what my body feels like before it comes and I've sort of mm. like I know it'll be fine I'll just ride it out and it'll be better afterwards um so I think and knowing that that's just anxiety and even like I was so proud of my dad the other day like the other day the other month when I saw him at Christmas <laughs> uh, he, uh, he was saying like oh I feel anxious I'm like oh my god my dad even knows what that means like I don't think he ever used that word <laughs> like when I was growing up so it's good that mm. sort of awareness that anxiety is a thing you know and that's helped me a lot just understanding mental health issues uh, yeah. it helps to recognize them in yourself when they're happening and uh, for me it helps me disassociate myself from them almost in a sense like knowing that I'm just feeling this way because I have anxiety right now I'm having a panic attack right now but it's not the end be on be end be all and end all of, of like my being and my life if that makes sense yeah so yeah definitely talk yeah, about sure. it does help and spreading awareness absolutely yeah yeah because yeah, you also realize that you're not alone there's so many other people yeah, who feel the same exactly. but again we have talked about the correlation between mental health and eating disorders and a few years ago uh, your mom passed away mm. and um in the fifth episode of women of my generation i talked to alice who's been through the same kind of thing and she talked about how this trauma made her um, ill in anorexia. So I was just wondering if that was a triggering moment for you. Yeah, no, like my heart went out to to her in that episode for sure. Um, I felt I felt her, but uh, luckily for me, I, I was almost kind of expecting it to happen for me, but it didn't. I think I was already in such a good place at that time uh, that it it wasn't triggering for me um it there was a few like when I first saw her in hospital and stuff I I couldn't eat apart from two chocolate pieces that day <laughs> but so I had a few mm. days the first few days when I just didn't eat but like that was not because I was actively trying to control and suppress my appetite it was because I had no appetite and that was never the case when I was anorexic. I was always actively suppressing my appetite. The appetite was still there. Whereas this was genuinely me being so upset that my appetite went away. And that's when, you know, it's like really bad with me. Like it never happens unless like my mom is dying. <laughs> uh, mm. Yeah. So, but now luckily I was a bit sort of, it was at the back of my mind, but it, you know, it wasn't the main thing I was thinking about. Uh, and I remember I, I did sort of, I, I, I managed to eat okay, um, sort of quite quickly a few days in I, I managed to start eating uh, a little bit better mm. uh, yeah, yeah I definitely think like that awareness that you had at that age because that was um was it two or three years ago it now? was uh, two years ago I was 23 uh, mm. yeah yeah did I wait um was I 22 actually <laughs> I don't know something like that but it was two years ago but had yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, around December 2017. But again, like that awareness of um, that you kind of you said it yourself that you was um, kind of expecting you to have a relapse, but you didn't, and maybe that thought actually helped you. Yeah, um, yeah. To not come back. Um, I think so, and also it's just like it was so 
long ago that that had been an issue, that it wasn't sort of, at that point, it was almost 10 years ago that I had sort mm. of my worst episode. Um, I was, yeah, 22, 23, that's, you know, 10 years ago from 12. So um, it was just so distant that, yeah, I don't think, I, don't, I feel like, yeah, if anything, I was also more worried about, like, starting to binge eat, if anything. I think that's sort of something that's more recurring still and still happening in my life but okay uh yeah I always want to um ask my guests as well about the future because obviously it's called women of my generation but it's an issue with like a negative body image for um older generations and will unfortunately um be an issue for younger generations as well do you have any thoughts on what we can do to help younger people from from developing eating disorders in any way? I think if anything is triggering for me is to see a 12-year-old girl and her saying anything about her body. That makes me... Yeah, that that fucks me up, really. Like, that was like, no, I don't want anyone to ever go through this again. Please don't make my mistakes. Please, please, please. Like, I go, I kind of drop into despair. And I, I honestly, I don't know what to do. Um, and it's it's hard because there's a thing. Kids don't listen to adults. They just don't. They learn by their mistakes. Uh, that's how I feel. Because I didn't listen to it. There, there were some teachers who asked me if I was okay when I was anorexia. And I was like, ah, oh, that's fine. You know, like it, I, I, I completely ignored everything everyone was telling me. So, because yeah. uh, there were quite a few people who did sort of, once I really started dropping in weight, they were like, um, do, do, do you have food at home? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> uh, mm. so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I do feel it's, yeah, it's such a difficult topic. And I think that's maybe also to touch upon that a bit, maybe one of the main reasons I wouldn't want to have kids because I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know how to... I don't know how how I would handle that and and guide a child through that period, and uh, and I am I'm also worried about now my my dad's wife. He she's got two kids, and uh, one of them is is in that sort of teenage years now, hitting those years, and and I really hope she'll be okay. Uh, and I feel quite protective of her. Um, and mm. but yeah, I unfortunately don't have any big solutions. Obviously, like. Yeah, lead by I example. Think we can all I think lead by example. Yeah, don't exactly. Talk about it too much. Don't talk about it negatively and positively. Eat healthy food, but also like yeah, just eat intuitively around your kids as well. And uh, but I guess kids need some sort of routine. But you know, not too you know some women, but you know, not too strict, not too relaxed either, because you obviously don't want your children to develop unhealthy eating habits. So it's such a difficult balance to do as a parent, and I really feel for every parent out there who has to navigate mm. this. Um, yeah I mean you just said that you didn't have like any good solutions but I I actually think that is a perfect solution to stop focus so much about appearance and talk about um, your body or anyone's body in a negative way around kids I think that's the main thing that we have to to learn everyone yeah I think yeah definitely definitely I think maybe just also showing your, your kids that you know teaching them that the bodies are there to be used and 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 you know i don't know i do still think like letting your kids do sports and stuff is good you know kids should obviously move they have a lot of energy so um but yeah without 
too much pressure, but I, I wouldn't know how to balance that. I think I'm quite competitive. If I had kids, I'd be like, you're going to be a, an Olympic gymnast. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I say, I feel like oh, it's just best for me not to have kids because I'm going to ruin them. <laughs> <laughs> you, you take your responsibility. Yeah, yeah I, I, I feel like, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'll, ju- I'll just be a cool aunt. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be fucking sick, aren't you? Yeah, great. (laughs) But yeah, but I do, yeah, but I I try, obviously, if I do talk with kids that age, I try to sort of, yeah, uh, have a positive attitude. And if they mention anything, be like, no, you do not think about that way, da da da. I don't know, but it's, it's really hard and. It, that is something that really triggers me and also if like my friends like start going on about like seriously about actually going on a proper diet like it's one thing if they just like eat a bit differently but like if they're actually thinking about like going on this like 12 week program and eat 800 calories a day and go to the gym three times a week I'm like can you not please <laughs> yeah, don't do yeah, this yeah. throw out that scale <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Throw it out and leave the diets behind. Yeah, I think, yeah, just like, sure, but be healthy, you know? Like, it's still good to be healthy, so it's hard for me to find that balance because I still advocate, like, eat your greens, you know, eat eat your sort of whole foods and and all that sort of stuff, like, uh, cook your own food. Um, Yeah, but that's, like, something completely different to compare to, like, the the diets that are out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't think you're going to arrive at some destination or at some number and you're going to be happy then. Because that's what I thought when I was anorexic. I was unhappy and it made me more unhappy. And I lost all my friends because I was all self-centered and, like, I didn't want to talk to anyone. Uh, So I had no friends, basically, when I was anorexic. And, well, I felt like that, at least. And... You know, it didn't make me happier at all to to be at a certain point, no. um, you know, a certain weight. And uh, yeah, I th- yeah, just enjoy your life while you're trying to, you know, better yourself. That's completely compatible, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the perfect way to end today's episode. So thank you so much, Michelle, <laughs> for sharing your story. Thank you. Sorry for ranting. <laughs> <laughs> didn't rant at all. Very well behaved, I'd say. <laughs> I'm working on sharing my anxieties finally. Yeah, and you're doing so well. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I miss you and it feels nice to reconnect. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.